0: And uh, he said, go on up. So I went on up. All right. I leaned over to my wife just a minute ago uh, and uh, whispered something in her ear. Now, you know, we could just take a poll and ask questions. What, do you, what is it you think that a guy about to get up and preach, if he leans over and says something to his wife uh, in the song before the lesson, what is he saying? And we could just say, you know, take seven or eight, suggestions from the room well I think he's probably saying something like this somebody else has some other assumption and I leaned over and I said you know what I like about this auditorium and she said what's that and I said there's not a clock in it (laughs) there's one in the pulpit yeah thank you FH I appreciate that Always count on your friends. <laughs> Never mind then. <laughs> it's good to be with you. It's been a little bit. Uh, I was here for summer series. Uh, I think maybe the summer before last. I believe it was uh, not this this past one, but the one before. I believe is correct. I think you had just gotten in your building pretty much at that point. It seems so. And uh, love love your location, your new location. And, uh, and I've heard, heard good things, I always heard good things about the Highland Heights congregation over the years. We've known different ones over at the old uh, property in, in years gone by. And here now, we're thankful uh, to be with you today. And I have chosen this morning to uh, emphasize the simple. Now, How do you emphasize the simple? We're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 5, so if you have your Bibles or you follow along on your phones or tablet, whatever you do, that's where we're going to be. If you want to camp out anywhere in particular, I'll allude to other passages of Scripture as we go along, but I'd like to be camped out in 2 Kings chapter 5, Uh, and I am entitling this lesson, do the simple thing. Oftentimes, we try to build a better mousetrap, Right? Creative people are not happy unless they're what? Creating. And I'm glad we have creative people, and we need to create things. And I'm grateful. I, I, I was praying with a man uh, back on Friday uh, who was in the hospital, and uh, I'm, I made note, as I often do, in those sort of settings and, and just in general, I'm glad that we live in a time and a place which earlier generations did not know. I'm glad we can know them now. There are things I wish today's generation would know that earlier generations understood. But I'm glad we live in a time and a place where we have so many advancements. Advancements in various forms of technology, When it comes to medicine, I'm there with one in the hospital at the time, you've got a situation where we have advanced therapies and medicines and surgical procedures that earlier generations did not know and it allows those that have reached either certain ages or those that are dealing with certain uh, particular health conditions to recover more quickly or to recover at all, again, that several generations back just did not have. I'm glad for that which can be constantly studied and considered and created and advanced. I'm glad for that. I'm I'm glad to live in that time, and I'm glad that my sons are going to grow up or have grown up in that time as well. But I think sometimes in an effort to find the new, And find the sizzle, and find the experience, and find the fill in the blank. Find something that's got to be better than what just seems so simple. Oh, it's got it's 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 got it. There's got to be more. We miss even healing. Let's consider thoughts from Naaman don't make it harder than it has to be that's true in the spiritual realm don't borrow trouble don't make it harder than it has to be don't put a pack on your back when you've got enough of an incline already I appreciate the honesty of scripture I appreciate the fact that Scripture tells me it's going to occasionally get hard. John chapter 21, Jesus has already gone to His mock sham trial. He's already gone to the cross. He's already gone to the tomb. He has been resurrected from that tomb and He has appeared to the disciples and he is about to ascend to the Father and He's talking with Peter on the shore. I've been on that shore multiple times. And I've tried to imagine, I've been all over that shore. I've tried to imagine where, 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 about where was this taking place. I can hear the conversation because I can read the conversation. I can hear the conversation because I can read the conversation. Peter, do you love me? Well, yes, Lord, you know I love you. You know I love you. Feed my sheep. Hey, Peter, do you love me? Maybe he didn't hear me. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. He asked a third time, Peter, do you love me? Scripture even says that Peter's irritated because he's asked him a third time. Which I don't, now this is just me, my, my preacher buddy, longtime mentor type, uh, dear man, and a, and a marvelous uh, servant in, in the church, Jerry Barber. Some of you may know Jerry Barber. Jerry Barber, when he was about to just give his opinion, and it was not going to come straight from the text, he would say, Now this is Barber, not Bible. Well, I don't know what goes with Conley, so I'd, anyway, I wish I. This is my opinion. He asked him three times, that's not a coincidence. That's just my opinion. I don't believe it's a coincidence that he asked him three times. You, you remember anything else that happened three times just a, a little bit before with Peter? That's just my opinion. Do you love me? And then he says, Peter, let, let me explain this to you. I'm paraphrasing. As he says, let me explain this to you. Here's the way it's been. Here's what's coming. Imagine for a second you're a fisherman by trade. And, and you do it well. You've got a good business. And he says, follow me. Now what's happening when he says, follow me? What's happening right there is this is the start of the greatest, most important movement and work ever to be on the face of the earth. What is the most important work on the planet? What is the most important opportunity? Listen, I, I just talked about appreciating medicine and appreciating advancements in various forms of technology. We could go to space exploration. We could go to any number of things. I, I appreciate first responders and those that protect us and, and military. I appreciate those that teach. I'm married to a teacher. And I appreciate whatever it is that you do or did in your occupational pursuits if you're already retired. I appreciate the room full of those pursuits and the good that you do or did. But there's not a soul in here that is engaged in any occupation that is more important than the work God gave His people to do on earth. Not one. None of that stuff I listed and nothing you could list. It's the only one that transcends time and it's the only one that's eternal. This work. Our work. Your work not as an accountant, not as a fireman, not as a teacher, not as a fill in the blank. Your work as a child of God, to be salt and light. It doesn't get bigger than that. Peter, let me tell you how it's been. You have been able to see things and hear things nobody had ever seen before, heard before. In fact, you just didn't hear of it or see it from a distance. You've been in the inner circle. You've kind of been in the inner, inner circle with a very few That would go further into the garden. Of one that can heal the sick and raise the dead and cause the blind to see. And the one who was risen from the grave. And that's been quite a ride. But uh, things are going to change been quite a ride for you, Peter, over the last three years, but let me tell you what's about to happen. They're going to bind you, they're going to lead you to a place you do not want to go. What I'm asking you, Peter, is are you going to love me then? See, that's what defines love. What really defines the depth of love is not what you do when it's easy. It's what you do when it's hard. It's what you do when you do it alone. It's what you do when the other individual is not so deserving. Peter, I'm asking, do you love me? And are you going to love me in the face of all that? Because see, in recent days, not so much. Remember, I don't know the man. I appreciate the honesty of Scripture. It's going to get hard. You know what works when it's hard? The simple. Not the sizzle. The simple. Not the better mousetrap. The simple. It's 2 Kings chapter 5, and our subject, primary subject as a person, is Naaman. And we've mentioned not making it unnecessarily harder. And we say in health... The doctor says, look, I'm just talking about making small changes to your diet. I I want you to get more sleep. You need to get a little more exercise. You know, that's fairly simple stuff. In school, Dad, who was a university professor for 34 years while he was preaching uh, at Bellevue and then at Hillsborough in Nashville, uh, he would tell those students, he would say, listen, if you'll just review a little bit throughout the semester, Rather than relying on cramming at the end of the semester, you will do better. And he saw that in those 34 years with all those students. In marriage, we tell people, look, in premarital counseling, just say you're sorry. Just, Just say you're sorry. Spend time together. Human nature, we've talked about building a better mousetrap, reinventing the wheel, creating the wow or the sizzle. How many of you remember Raiders of the Lost Ark? The first one, that's been further back, Uh, speaking of further back, Jeff and his prayer earlier, and I appreciate Jeff and the years that I've known him, and I appreciate that prayer, um, the the comments that that he made about my family, but it did strike me, Jeff, one particular thing struck me. You said, we thank you for the good work that he's done through the decades, and I went, oh, (laughs) that just hit, Jeff. Through the decades. Uh, Decades, plural. So that's been a while, Raiders of the Lost Ark. And, uh, you know, the guy comes out and he's got the big samurai sword and he's, he's a big imposing figure and he knows how to do all those things and he's swaying that thing around and... Ford is kind of frozen and like, oh no, what am I going to do in this moment? And then it dawns on him, and what's he do? Oh, bang, that took care of that. You know, he's thinking, I've got to try to figure out how to, I guess I've got to do that too. What can I use to, to, to battle like this? He doesn't have to battle like that. It finally dawns on him, I've got something right here. That's what the man of God in 2 Kings chapter 5 would try to tell Naaman. That's what the people of God try to tell people that are hurting in a community or in a city or even inside their own congregation. Hey, don't make it harder than it has to be. I think we should review. I think we should discuss. I think we should consider. I think we should pray. I think we should plan. Planning is biblical, but... In the garden it was, just don't eat this. You ever heard that phrase that's kind of been more popularized lately? You had but one job? You just had one job. In the garden it was that simple. Just don't eat this. To Balaam, he just said No. Balaam thought, no, we've got to go a little further, got to go a little deeper, got to go a little different. Hey, stay this night here also and let me see what more the Lord has to say. The Lord had already said what He had planned on saying. He didn't have anything else to say. But He was going to test that theory. Jonah, I'll just do this in- instead. This is going to be hard. I'll have to face the music, so I'll just do this instead. And because He did that instead, He wound up, In the belly of the great fish. Proverbs has a lot to say about stubbornness. uh, Psalms has a lot to say about stubbornness. Psalm 81, 11 through 13, but my people would not listen to me, Israel would not submit to me, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. Let's be honest this morning. Let me ask you, church, let me ask you this question and be honest with yourself and about Even God's people, certainly the world. God's people from time to time too often, but certainly the world. And before the God who already knows the answer and knows whether we're being honest with ourselves. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own devices. How do we do when we follow our own devices? How's the nation doing following its own devices? How's that working for you, they say. So, Introducing Naaman. It is 2 Kings chapter 5. If you summarize the first seven verses, you've got a guy that's got an illness. Leprosy was terrible. Naaman was a captain of the army, king of Aram, was a great man with his master, highly respected because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man also was a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. And if, when you get some time, time won't permit this morning, but if you get some time, just Google, study leprosy, and you'll get a better appreciation for when you see it in Scripture. Awful disease. This, this isn't a head cold. Study, study leprosy, seriously. By the time you get to verses 8 through 14, now it happened when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes. He sent word to the king and said, why do you tell your clothes? Just have him come to me and he shall learn that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and he stood at the doorway of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to him and said, Go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you will be clean. Pause right there for just a second. I've been in the Jordan. I've semi-washed in the Jordan. The Jordan then and the Jordan now, it's better now, was and is by comparison of some other rivers even right there then and now dirty. Dirty. So in one sense, that wouldn't have made sense. You'll see more of that in just a second. But Naaman, verse 11, it's, he's furious. He goes away and he says, Behold, I thought, he'll certainly come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, and he'll wave his hand over the side and cure the leprosy. See, looking for a scene. He's looking for a scene. He's looking for a sizzle. He's looking for something mysterious. He's looking for the wow. In verse 12, he says, Hey, aren't these other rivers there, there's other rivers, and they're, they, that makes a little more sense than the dirty Jordan. I mean, if I'm going to wash and be clean, you want me to go dip in the Jordan? Could it not be in one of these? First, he thought, it's going to be something else. He's going to wave his hand over. We're gonna, you know, are there going to be sound effects? Is, there gonna, is God going to thunder from heaven? What, what is it? But you tell me to do that, no sizzle, and, and it's dirty. It's dirty. So he's complaining in verse 12. Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and he went away in a rage. Can you imagine that, by the way? But we'll come back to that, as I said on the slide. Can you imagine? He goes away in a rage. Somebody's saying, We're going to cleanse you of this tremendous illness. Where do I sign? But instead, he's in a rage. Then his servants approached and spoke to him and said, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? See, they know. They know, those with him know. They're as bewildered as we are on that consideration. Why would he have been in a rage? They're going to, he's going to be healed. Even those with him say, you're not making any sense. Sometimes, just to be honest, elders have to sit with people. Those of us who are ministers on staffs with congregations, we have to sit with people. We have to counsel with people. We have to pray with people. And sometimes we have to say, why, why won't you just do this? Why not? What are you waiting on? What are you looking for? What is it that you're missing? What am I missing? How can we help you with this further? Not sure sometimes how we can help you further. Because you won't choose the simple. And that can be true in marriage. And it can be true in faith. And it can be true in friendship. And it can be true in various works inside the body, body life together. The people with Him know You're not making any sense. Verse 14, so he went down and dipped himself finally in the Jordan seven times. See, he would have done something else. He would have quickly and gladly done something else. Finally, he goes down and he dips in the Jordan and he does it the number of times he was told in accordance with the word of the man of God and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child and he was clean. How about that? This is noteworthy. Verse 8. That they'll still know there is a prophet in Israel. We're talking about doing the simple. Let me tell you something, church. There is still a prophet in Israel. There is still a prophet in Israel. And if you're getting all this, considering all this being counseled with all this, being prayed for about all this, and you're still looking for a prophet, you're not going to find him. It's here. He's not walking through that door. It's not going to be created. It has been created. Do the simple thing. Verse 9 If you'll go to it in 2 Kings 5, So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of the house of Elijah. Uh, What's he expecting? What's he seeking? People seek pomp and circumstance. Too often. In verse 10, they've told him to go wash in the Jordan seven times. His flesh would be restored and he'd be clean. That's not good enough. Did you ever consider the common nature of the birth of Christ? That wasn't fit for a king. It was dirty. It was delayed. It was dirty. And it was divisive. But guess what else it was? Decisive. The coming of Christ to earth to cleanse everybody was delayed, wasn't like that. We want that too, by the way. It was delayed. It was quite common, quite ordinary, not a lot of sizzle. It would divide people. Jesus promised that. But it was also what worked. Verse 11, I'm reminded of that phrase that beggars can't be choosers. Who was in need there? Nobody else but Naaman. Naaman was the one in need and he's the one saying, no, that's not good enough. Naaman was the one in need and he said, I want something else. Can't you just bring me something else? Here's the crux of the lesson. It's verse 13 and that's our biggest question. Then his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean. What are you waiting on? What what do you want? What are you looking for? I'm telling you folks, you would be amazed at the number of people that sit in tears before those groups that I've mentioned earlier, whether it's an eldership or a ministry staff or whomever. And they won't take the simple. Three months, six months, six years later, they're still in the same situation Because they've got to have something else. You get to a point where you can't help them. Until they'll do the simple. What are we looking for? Imagine verse 14, he was healed, but should we be surprised? You remember in Acts chapter 12 when Peter's been in prison and the, God's people or church is, is together, they're praying for him, they're earnestly praying for him, and, and the Lord releases him from that prison and the Spirit leads him to God's people and he knocks on the door and the servant girl opens the door and it's Peter standing right there and she's amazing. You can imagine her reaction. She goes back and tells everybody else, and they say, no, that's not him. That couldn't be. Well, then what are they praying for? What in the world are they busy? They're wasting time. If they don't believe, it's got power. It'll work. You're wasting time. Go play golf. But that's not what happened. Because it was Him. Here's what I'm asking you to believe. What I'm asking you to believe this morning is that God has given a simple gospel. What I'm asking you to believe is that He has given a simple plan. Beyond the gospel plan that saves man from sin, He's given a simple plan for living. We might just summarize it this way. Passages, people, and prayer. Word of God, with the people of God, in constant conversation with God. That's the simple. And it works. And it always has. And it always will. Why would I challenge the wisdom of the one on whom I'm calling? I want God to do something for me, but... I. When he says, yeah, sure thing, here's this. No, could you give me something else? Believe that things will never go as well by your complication or replacement of the simplicity of God's provisions for peace. That's what I want you to believe. I want you to believe that your devices will never go as well as the simplicity of God's plan. Understand that simplicity does not mean always easy. But I assure you, I beg you to believe that life aside from his provisions and his plan to how to provide those provisions is certainly not easy. And there it is, passages, people, prayer. Please do the simple things. You know what's simple? Come unto me. All ye that are weary and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me because my yoke's easy and and my burden is light. And you'll find rest through those things in that way. You'll find rest for your souls. In a room this large with this many people this morning, there's somebody, whether you're telling anybody, There's somebody in need of some rest. That's just the human condition. It's the human nature. It's who we are. It's where we are. I know that's true. Pretty simple. Do you believe that? And and if not, will you please come see me? I'm dead serious, by the way, when I say this. You come talk to me after service and tell me why not? I would absolutely love a conversation with you. You come tell me why not. You believe that? Coming to Him will find rest for your souls. You know know what makes that hard for some? Arrogance and pride. I don't need rest. I'm fine. I got it. No, you don't. And if you think you do, you're just young. Frankly, give it time. Just give it time. And there's coming a day when you don't got it. That's bad English, but it makes the point. You know what's simple? Repent. And let every one of you be baptized for the remission of sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Passages, people, prayer. But It's got to start with a response. It's pretty simple. Thank goodness. I want to tell you what's going to happen if you do. We serve a God that responds, and He responds immediately, and He responds in full. The Lord doesn't say, all right, I've I've taken note of your response, and uh, we'll get back with you within 90 days with our decision. Or right, I tell you what, I've taken note of your response and, and I'm acting immediately, but the way I act is like some people pay down a credit card balance with minimum payments at a time. You know why that doesn't work? Because I'll keep sinning in the meantime. That's why that doesn't work with a credit card. That's not how the Lord works. He acts immediately and he acts in full. I want you to take of that, as simple as it sounds. I want you to take of that this morning. And if we can help you with that, we'll be up here as we stand and sing this invitation song.